What's up, gamers? I'm Tori Dominguez Peak. And I'm Noah Hertz. And welcome to Press Start. It's Zelda Day. Let's it just is, talk about Zelda. It is Zelda Day. So uh we are we are back. Uh previously it was so over, but we are so fucking back. Um <laughs> I am back from my bereavement leave. <laughs> Let's fucking go. Uh and we are here to break down Zelda Tacular because Noah just beat Tears of the Kingdom. So now he and I can actually have a conversation, <laughs> um, which is great to have. So, but before we do all that, we do want to kind of like set the stage uh, talking about not just Tears of the Kingdom, but the Zelda series in general and some questions from our mailbag. So, do you want to kick it off, Noah? Yeah, I mean, uh, since beating Tears of the Kingdom, like, Zelda's all I want to think about. Like, it's it's such a good fucking game, and I'm having that thing where it's like, you uh, you finish reading a good book, and you aren't really sure what book to start next, because all you can think about is the book you just finished, and mm, I, I yeah. don't, uh, figured it'd be a good way to kind of ease, ease you back in. I don't really want to talk about the FTC news with Xbox and uh, Activision Blizzard. So, like, this no. is kind of a let's just talk about <laughs> Zelda, you know? <laughs> so, that feeling of finishing something so big that you feel like you just ate Thanksgiving dinner, yeah. the uh, edition. I was thinking about the first time I ever felt that um, in my life, and I can actually track it down to two times. That were kind of happened in the same year, probably like somewhere between 06 and 08 for me, which was the first time I beat The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Hmm. And okay. when I watched the final episode of Avatar The Last Airbender, I think those yeah. are really like core memories yeah. uh, of mine. I Something about a Zelda game in particular, when you finish it, gives me this feeling. Yeah. And... Yeah, Tears of the Kingdom did that for me as well. So before we kick off, or as we're kicking off, what's the first Zelda game we each played? So I think the first one I played was probably the Ocarina of Time, but I didn't beat it until way later. So when I was a kid... um, I've mentioned before that like my dad was into video games so when I was a kid there were game consoles around and but it was mostly like he skipped the Super Nintendo in favor of the Sega Genesis because he was like oh my god blast processing Sonic the Hedgehog and so he got one of those Mm -hmm. but um I got a GameCube for like my fifth birthday or something and it was the GameCube that came with that disc that has like Ocarina of Time Majora's Mask Zelda yeah. 1, Zelda 2, the demo for the Wind Waker, like the one that costs like $300 whenever it like graces its presence <laughs> at my local retro game store. That yes, one. that one, that one. Um so I remember fucking around with the Ocarina of Time a little bit in that one, but I was a really stupid kid and I, I it took me literally years to figure out that the way to advance through the Deku tree was that you had to get to the top floor and then jump down and like break through the spider web. And so like I I definitely like touched the Ocarina of Time, but I think the first one I like played, put real hours into might have been Twilight Princess. I remember like 
I remember very vividly, it was like Christmas one year. I think it was right around the time that the Wii was coming out. And we didn't get a Wii until a little later. And so I had like a Target gift card. And my dad and I were at Target. And Twilight Princess had just come out. And he was like, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. He was like, do you want to get Twilight Princess for the GameCube? Or would you rather wait and see if we get a Wii and maybe get it for that? And I was like, nah, 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 I want it for the GameCube. And I think I made the right choice at the end of the day. Like, Probably the, the motion controls. Cube, yeah, the motion controls, the waggling is kind of awkward. But that's another yeah. one that I didn't beat until way later on. So like, I had a, I had a lot of experience with like touching these games, being kind of dumb and never quite completing them, and mm-hmm. then like touching another one in the series. Like, what about you? Uh, yeah, so my first was Ocarina. We also had the Master Quest um, disc thing. Uh, my brother played it because he liked the, you know, the Master Quest version with like the harder enemies and the inverted puzzles. And so being the youngest child, I played it on the N64. Um, and also being the youngest child, I had a built in person who would help me through said puzzles. So I, mm-hmm. I was able to fly through it in about a month uh, when I was like seven or eight years old. Uh, Damn. And I beat it and I felt like. I just need to lay down for the rest of the day. Yeah. That's really what it takes out of you. Um, I didn't really understand the ending as a kid. I remember being like, why is Navi flying out the window? Why does he have to be a kid again? Yeah. Like, he has to relive those seven years again and everyone like forgets that it happened. Like, seems kind of lame. Um, I look back on the ending and I think it's actually like really profoundly sad. Yeah. Um, there's a really great YouTube video essay about how Ocarina of Time is actually about loss and it's about a lot of death. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things you lose, I mean, you lose a lot of things. Like in the intro, you lose your your parents. You lose the great Deku tree. You lose the illusion that you are a Kokiri. Mm-hmm. You lose your childhood. You know what I mean? And yeah. so... You know, like Zelda, the, the Zelda's like the least I can do is give you your childhood back. Yeah. Um, and so it, it actually is like a really profound piece of media that I didn't know I was really toying with. I was just like, I like to go to Lon Lon Ranch and ride a Pona. Yeah, you know? it's it's similar, like not just the end of the Ocarina of Time, but like the beginning of Majora's Mask when you find out that Link has been like journeying to try and find Navi. And I remember here seeing Ugh, that. That's so and being sad. Like, why the fuck would he want his annoying fairy? She's kind of annoying. Like, I don't get it. That same too. with the Same with the end of Ocarina of Time. As a kid, I was just like, this is just like, I don't get it. Like, okay, the fairy leaves, so what? And then playing it later, like when I was a like a teenager, and you get to the end of that, and it's like, oh, this is actually incredibly sad. This is actually like, deeply moving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's very moving. Yeah. Last time I played this, I, I definitely teared up. Also, like around the period that I was beating this, I was, I did like pause to play Twilight Princess yeah, and those sorts of things. And after I, after I beat Ocarina of Time though, I definitely like my hunger for Zelda games definitely increased. I played Majora's Mask, but I had like a 15 year, like tit for tat. Like I would, I would boot it up. I would get too scared and then Mm -hmm. I would put it down Didn't actually beat Majora's Mask until I was about 19. Damn, um, yeah. So that game has always just given me like just real anxiety, which is honestly the point. Yeah. Uh, but after, so I, I couldn't really click with Majora's 
straight after Ocarina. So I went to Twilight Princess. I beat that. I got uh, Wind Waker. Believe I stole it from a Blockbuster. I believe <laughs> we rented it from Blockbuster, and then we moved to another state. And I was just like, they can't catch us now. Nice try, fuckers. And I, uh, you never I get kept that it. Back, nice yeah. try, fuckers. But then Karma came back to me because I let my friend borrow it in middle school. He never gave it back. So <gasps> no. Yeah. Ah, oh. that's that's what happens when you steal from Blockbuster. Yeah. Listen. So gets you in the end. It gets you in the end. Um. So I had that. I also had the DS at the time. So Phantom Hourglass, Spirit Tracks. Mm. Um. This was also the age of the Wii Virtual Console. Mm-hmm. Uh. And so I had like the original Legend of Zelda and Link to the Past, but I just couldn't beat them. They were really hard. Um, and so I would just sometimes I would just toy with it until I died. And I was like, that's it. But yeah, Ocarina was definitely definitely both of our real first. Yeah. What is your favorite Zelda game? I think this will probably hew pretty close for a lot of people in terms of like that meme where it's like your favorite Pokemon game is the one that came out when you were like nine or ten years old, you know? Yeah. Um, But I think for me, and this is with hindsight, mind you, because I have not played this game again since I was a teenager, but the Wind Waker for me still sticks out as being mm. like probably my favorite experience and i think i don't want to like spoil the story for people who haven't played that one but wind waker is like in conversation with past games in the series in a way that a lot of these games aren't considering like these games do take place in sort of a timeline kind of sort of a little bit but for the most part they're self-contained but the wind waker mm-hmm. is like really in conversation with past games in a way that like oh, was yeah. really fascinating to me as a kid it like it makes that experience feel more like you're playing something that has like a really rich mythology that is really rewarding for having like an understanding of it i think twilight princess is the same but wind waker like really really uh hit me at a time that was good yeah mythologizes i love wind waker if for any other reason or the fact that it has one of my favorite openings of all time i love the scroll that shows like the mythology of the hero Mm -hmm. and him fighting off the demon king and how it kind of recaps ocarina of time in that way and um I just love the music. I can just picture it in my head. It is, the to this day, probably one of my favorite game intros of all time. Yeah. It might be one of my favorite game soundtracks, too. Just, like, oh my full God, stop. It's incredible, yeah. the music it in that game. It is an incredible soundtrack. And whenever I play a game that, like, they bust out the scroll, mm-hmm. or in, you know, Tears of the Kingdom, Tears of the Kingdom's case, like, the hieroglyphics on the wall... Yeah. I'm like, okay, baby, it's Wind Waker intro time. We're doing mm-hmm. this again. And I love yeah. it every time. I never get sick of it. Um, and yeah, for that reason alone, like, man, Wind Waker is definitely up there for me. Mm-hmm. If I had to pick a favorite, again, I think it's because it hit me at that age, but I think it has to be Twilight Princess. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. to me, Twilight Princess accomplished almost everything that Ocarina of Time was trying to do. Um, just better res and i love minda mm-hmm. i love the concept of the twilight realm i like how it wasn't scared to get a little freaky with the lore um 
And there's just some really iconic, like, hero shots in that game. I love the battle on the bridge with mm. the Bubblekin King as you try to get uh, Colin, your neighbor's son, and you rescue him. And as you rescue him, you, like, lift your sword in the air and, like, Epona, like, lifts her, her front legs up. And yeah. it's just this, like, iconic hero shot. Um when I was watching Jesse replay Twilight Princess a couple mm. of years ago on the Dolphin emulator, we reached that moment and he just like set his controller down and we watched <laughs> and it kind of took our breaths away. I was yeah. like, I feel like I'm eight years old again. It's like, this is video games, baby. Yeah. yeah it really felt like not to be like Jeff Keighley on main, but like <laughs> this is the power of games right here. Um, and I love how immersive it is. I love the Lost Woods in that game. Mm-hmm. I love the Temple of Time, uh, Arbiter's Grounds. It really it just checks off all the Zelda boxes. I also love the aesthetic, how it's kind of like a more mature Zelda. I know it's a little edge lord for its yeah. time, uh, but I love I love a brunette Zelda, like, and she's kind of mature. She's kind of like a queen Zelda. I forgot she was uh, a brunette. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it's the only. I think it's the only game where she's actually a brunette, to my knowledge. Huh. But yeah, it's got to be Twilight Princess. I think um, Twilight Princess and Wind Waker are so fascinating too, considering like, I know this is like pretty well-known gaming lore at this point, but for people who aren't aware, like when the Wind Waker came out, when it was first revealed at E3, people were like furious because this came on the heels of like Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. And then there was this really famous tech demo that was shown off at Space World. I think that was like 98 or or like the 99 or 2000 Space World that was yeah. like Link and Ganondorf in their Ocarina of Time designs fighting but rendered using the GameCube's graphical engine. And so it was this, people thought that that was a peek into what the next Zelda game for the GameCube was going to look like. And so instead, when the Wind Waker is revealed, people were like, what's this kitty shit? What's this like baby garbage? And so Twilight Princess in a lot of ways is like a direct reaction to that. It's like, it is, it's like the, the older brother who's like, it's like, you know that meme that's like the yearbook pictures? It's like Derek and the cooler Derek. It's like Twilight yeah, Princess literally. is cooler Derek. But like, <laughs> Yeah, I was thinking about that because Twilight Princess kind of hits a really interesting time, mm-hmm. uh, kind of aesthetically, because they were trying to draw back the people that enjoyed Ocarina and Majora's as kids who are now mm-hmm. teenagers and young adults. And for that was my brother's generation like he was Uh, born in the early 90s and he played ocarina and majora's and then you know high school rolls around and everyone is getting the xbox and everyone's playing gears of war right Mm -hmm. and call of duty and halo and so like that's what the guys his age are doing and nintendo games are like that's for little kids like that's what your little sister has and then twilight princess came out and he saw me playing it and he was like can i try you know and i i think he even made a file i don't know if he ever beat it but i remember him being like oh shit like this isn't wind waker you know like mm-hmm. he had an interest in it and he was not like oh it's zelda games i don't do this anymore i play call yeah. of duty now because i'm a 16 year old boy in 2006 <laughs> and i drink mountain dew in, yeah. in world of warcraft and play world of warcraft um so i i think that was i think they were trying to draw back adults at the mm-hmm. same time and i think it's a very interesting choice 
it's a choice they haven't made since. Uh, yeah. Not really. Uh, and I've been kind of thirsting hmm. for that to come back. I like. Don't get me wrong. I love the like Studio Ghibli esque watercolor aesthetics of Breath of the Wild and Tears of yeah. the Kingdom, and I would honestly be okay with them continuing that because I love it, and I think that's actually like the aesthetic that probably reflects the IP the best in my opinion, but I do want a, like, I want a Final Fantasy 16 Zelda. <laughs> I, want a, I want a Zelda where they, where they say the F word and you see God. people bleed a little bit. Maybe. <laughs> I am not sure I agree with you on that, but I do. <laughs> I, think, I think what's interesting about the Twilight Princess and Wind Waker connection is that, like, I think for the people who didn't play Wind Waker because of the way it looked on first blush it actually grows to be like a far more like capital M mature game in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And I think Twilight Princess has a lot more whimsy than it gets credit for. And I think like despite the differences in their art style, I think tonally those games are like not as dissimilar as people tend to like argue they are. Granted again, you know, this is nostalgia speaking. It's been a long time since I played either of these, but like, I mm-hmm. think those games have more in common than uh, than people tend to think they do. Especially since they're all yeah. kind of in like the lineage of the post Ocarina of Time game, where they they feel very similar in a lot of ways. Yeah, and and like Wind Waker, Twilight Princess, like really fashions itself as a fable. Yeah, I think like you are this little farm boy in this farm town, and yeah. this couple has kind of unofficially taken you in as their son. Yeah, it's very and Star you're Wars. A, now that you're I think a about little it, goat herder, and everything is just like peachy keen. And then like people show up and light your shit on fire, and mm-hmm. like you gotta go, and your sensei is wounded. I actually remember playing this game uh, in front of my parents as a kid. And my dad was like, wow, it's good graphic. My mother was like, this looks cool. My mom was like, this is fucking Star Wars. <laughs> she was right. She was right. Yeah. She was right. She was absolutely correct. Yeah. This is literally Star Wars. I, I hadn't watched, I had watched like the prequels because I had come out as a kid. I actually mm-hmm. hadn't gone around to watching the original trilogy until I was a little bit older. And then I watched it. And I was like, this is Twilight Princess. <laughs> this is Aragon. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. just counting all the intellectual properties. That's funny. Um, but yeah, it is. It's very well tread ground, but um, it does try to make itself a fable. You are learning about the Twilight Kingdom and how they were wronged, and it's very much a game that is like very self interested in its own narrative. Yeah, like you are you are in the fable now, and yeah. Wind Waker is like you are in the scroll now. So I think it definitely has that in common. Do you have a least favorite Zelda then? I think I think Skyward Sword's probably my least favorite. I've spoken about this. I just don't mm-hmm. like the the repetitive nature of the dungeons. But I do like what Skyward Sword was going for because it has kind of a cozy hometown feel of Twilight Princess, but in the sky. Hmm. And um, there are some very quirky NPCs that I like. I really love Groose, mm-hmm. um, who is kind of like this dorky jock guy yeah. in your school. Um, he's kind of like a reformed Biff from Back to the Future. Um, I also like how there's a set of side quests that you can do with a demon guy who lives in your town and hangs around at night. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you give me these items, I will like get you money and food and heart pieces. 
and it's like a set of very interesting fetch quests and i just love that whimsy and every time you do a quest for him like special music plays and it's, that's very zelda yeah like it's very, very like you know the hand coming out of the toilet and you're like yeah here's the deed to my property you know <laughs> just like weird shit yeah um uh, so I, I like that aspect of Skyward Sword. Also, speaking of breathtaking music, Skyward Sword uh, yeah. really has it. A lot of Skyward Sword's best music is actually in Tears of the Kingdom quite a bit. Mm. Um, a lot of callbacks, uh, especially with like Zonai stuff. Yeah. Um, it's my least favorite. I don't, I don't mean it to say it's a bad game. I just think... It was a game that had to happen to make that necessary step between Twilight and Breath of the Wild, and it's just a little awkward. And like they didn't put enough effort into the dungeons, in my opinion. I I do think you should play it. I have the Switch port of it. So. Yeah, I have it on the Wii, but I think when I eventually get around to playing it, I will not play it on the Wii. I will probably play it on the Switch because Still, yeah. I played it on the Switch with the Pro Controller because I I simply. Yeah. That actually is the what that so dungeons notwithstanding the motion control is probably the worst part of that game having to like put your wii controller down every few minutes to like re uh reconfigure its gyro was like truly a miserable experience on the wii yeah yeah when, when i played it a couple years ago on my pro controller i was like okay this this just took it from like a four out of ten zelda game to me to like a six you mm-hmm. know like we're we're officially crossing crossing into like mid to slightly good game territory. Yeah, and yeah. that definitely did it for me. What is your favorite? We were talking about like brunette Zeldas and aesthetics. Yeah, what is your favorite version of Link and Zelda? I think. Okay, having not played it to completion, I definitely think. Uh, skyward sword link and zelda get pretty high billing considering like i there's that meme where it's like uh some the beauty of the legend of zelda is sometimes link and zelda are lovers sometimes they're co-workers sometimes link is zelda's mm. beard sometimes zelda is link's beard like that <laughs> meme i really love link and zelda as like uh like star-crossed teenage lovers and I, I think, mm. like, that was a really, like, cute aspect of what I played of Skyward Sword. I think... Yeah, that's true. They are really cute. I do really love the Zelda games, though, where, like, the two of them don't really know each other. Like, I think Ocarina of Time and Twilight Princess are both really interesting in this regard, where it's, like, mm. Zelda is, like, royalty, and he's just some guy. And, like, Ocarina of Time... He's just she- Ken. He's just, yeah. Ocarina of Time, he ends up, like, figuring really importantly into that. And, like, the two of them end up, obviously, like, very deeply connected. But, like, in Twilight Princess, she's, like, she's kind of, like, just the princess he has to save. They're not, like, it, it is much more, like, Link to the Past, Zelda, and Link. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not Yeah, buddies. she's on her regal shit. She has a throne room. Yeah. Yeah, so I remember um, in Twilight Princess, there's that cutscene where i don't remember if it's midna who's telling you or like someone's doing an exposition dump and they're talking about like how the twilight characters like took over hyrule castle and like imprisoned zelda and it's like it shows zant like going into the courtroom or like uh the main room of the castle and it's like that kind of stuff i fucking loved because it's this very well it's like link is just 
he's a freak <laughs> but link is just like so out of his element in those kinds of ones like i love the like more tender interactions between link and zelda in breath of the wild and tears of the kingdom mm-hmm. but like when when link is just like some doofus who's out of his element like it's more of a luke skywalker princess leia situation like i fucking love that kind of stuff like yeah. i really love that kind of version of their character dynamic yeah i think so i will always have soft spots for ocarina of time link simply because he looks like a member of a 90s boy band and i had a crush on him oh yeah but also and he had a little earring i love that they mm-hmm. carried the earring throughout the rest of the series love the earring. Um, and yep. i love like brunette very regal very mature twilight princess zelda like she did not strike me as like teenage girl no. she struck me as like in her 20s i was very like oh she's a grown-up um yeah. and i i liked that i like that she had a sword by her side i love that zant scene where he comes and like usurps everything yeah and the she's holding a sword and she drops it and it hits the floor very yes. shakespearean yeah like yeah That's the exactly what princess I was talking scenes about. Yeah. are very dramatic um they're really memorable so i i will always love those particular two versions of each character but i do really like um tears of the kingdom link and zelda yeah. i think they might be my new favorite actually yeah i love the like ghibli-esque nature of it i like how it's tender but genuine skyward sword i do get what you're saying about like cute teenage lovers but it almost feels like a high school au it's yeah. like imagine oh, it if link yeah. and zelda went to hogwarts together <laughs> it feels a little like who wrote this yeah. this feels like fan fiction it does um, it does it feels a little weird um like i'm not ready for them to be like actually like growing up together mm-hmm. um but breath of the wild slash tears of the kingdom does the familiarity they have a familiarity and a tenderness with each other but it feels more organic and a little more mature than them just being like classmates like they're co-workers or she's kind of his boss i guess um and i something about that just hits me better yeah i i love that dynamic between the two of them and i love zelda's short hair mm-hmm. um that oh, you awesome. see in yeah. tears it's of the kingdom it, big fan of it um I, I will definitely get that amiibo when it comes out <laughs> and I love her like little sleeveless dress robe thing she had going on when she yeah. was in the in the before times <laughs> hanging out with her ancestors. Yeah. Uh but yeah. Okay, so what Zelda games have you not played? So uh okay. I mean, I've I've played a good bit of the original. I've never completed it. I've only like flirted a little bit with Zelda 2 the way I think a lot of people have. I've never played the Oracle games beyond like booting them up and playing for a few minutes. Mm. I've played like 90% of Link's Awakening and like I know how it ends, you know, so like I'm familiar with Link's Awakening. Um, I think my biggest one that I've never rolled credits on is probably Majora's Mask. Like I'm, I'm familiar with like where the story goes. I'm familiar with the themes. I've played it like up through the water dungeon but I've never cleared it. You're so close. That's like, yeah, I guess that is like three fourths of the That's way the into it. That's the fourth temple. Maybe? No, actually, okay. no, third, third. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've only done swamp, mountain, ocean, canyon. Yeah, yeah, I haven't done like the end of it. So I, 
that I think that's probably my biggest blind spot in the series. And that's like, I know how it ends, you know, like, I feel like it's impossible to be like in the gaming spaces these days and having grown up like as a fan of this kind of stuff and not like seen how that game ended, whether it was like through forums or YouTube stuff or whether it was like the trophies in Melee have like very huge spoilers for that game. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So uh, I think that's probably my big one. That and Skyward Sword are like, Two that I've put yeah. time into but never completed and would like really like to circle around and complete one of these days. The I recently replayed Majora's Mask a couple months ago, right before um Tears of the Kingdom came out. Mm-hmm. I tend to replay games like that when I'm going through a hard time. Mm-hmm. And I've been going through a hard time. And uh I replayed Majora's Mask for the first time in five years, six years ish. And the ending got me in a different way yeah. than it did the first time. I was really touched by it. I think it's very, I don't mean this in like a orientalist way at all, mm-hmm. bonding way at all. It is very authentically Japanese to me. Hmm. I don't think, it's just not a Western mindset. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what it what is, it's trying to teach you about forgiving people and how to move past evils that have been done in the past uh it there's something about it that when i did it when i did the ending i was like this is not an american game hmm. and that's really interesting yeah it was really touching and i i really liked it hmm. uh so yeah i definitely would re- recommend majority's mask i will say is it enjoyable to play mm-hmm. uh <laughs> no yeah <laughs> uh it doesn't it feels very Majora's Mask is like the game that it's a miracle that it even came out and that it wasn't a disaster. Uh, and then it kind of, in terms of gameplay, it kind of stops there. It's like, surprise it even exists. Uh, there's just a lot of shit that you have to do that no one tells you. Mm-hmm. And so this game is like, it's almost a requirement to like have like the walkthrough pulled up on your laptop yeah. while you're playing this. Like you can't just like half-ass it and figure it out. And for the most part, do everything like an Ocarina of Time. Ah, okay. Uh, You really need, especially if you're trying to get all the masks and, you know, achieve that fierce deity status, Mm -hmm. uh, you you need help. There are some very convoluted side quests. Hmm. It's my second time playing the game, and I got tripped up on a side quest I had to redo about two times, three times, and I was pretty angry about it. Um, So, yeah, uh, it's one of those, like, pain in the ass, but worth it, I will say. Like, it's very emotionally touching. And the dungeons are doing some very interesting things, especially, like, given the time. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting you say that, because, like, I think the the very Japanese-ness of, and again, uh, I'm with you, like, not like, uh, I'm an American, they're so so weird, weird, I want to move to Japan, and that kind of thing, but I think, like, they're, uh, the this the Zelda games are kind of like at their best, I think, when they are not trying to chase after like things that are popular in like Western media or even just like media in general. You know, yeah, when it leans I mean, back into that, for like, sure, it's it's the same reason that like Pokemon is at its best when it's just capturing capturing that simple thing that like it was always meant to be based on like catching bugs in your backyard and that kind of thing like i think zelda is at its best when it leans back yeah. into shigeru miyamoto and eiji Anuma talking about like being kids and like 
walking around in the woods near their houses and like dreaming yeah. about it being like a big fantasy adventure. Yeah. And from interviews and like video essays I've watched about these games, N64 era Zelda is a real reflection of Shigeru Miyamoto's Shintoism mm-hmm. and his religious beliefs. Oh, that's really interesting. And yeah. like, especially the connections to nature and the concept of nature having spirits and how, you know, deities of the land are hurt by mm-hmm. pollution and by environmental and social disasters. And it's our job to to restore harmony when it's been thrown off. Yeah. Um, is reflected a lot in Majora's Mask. And uh, it's something I really, really like pause to enjoy this time. Mm-hmm. Thought it was really interesting. A Zelda game I haven't played but want to is Minish Cap. Ooh. Oh, it's on Minish the Game Cap Boy Advance so on Nintendo yeah. Online, so mm-hmm. it's accessible to me. That's a when good I one. did a poll a few months ago of like, what Zelda game should I play to pregame Tears of the Kingdom? I put up like Breath of the Wild, Majora's, and Minish Cap, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, Minish Cap, I believe, did not win. But yeah, I, I was really pushing I, for I that was, one to win. <laughs> yeah, but so, but now, now I'm like, oh, maybe it is time, and it's a. Mm-hmm. Definitely an aesthetic departure from the past couple games I've been playing. So yeah, I, I would I, uh, be interested to play it. I think for we'll, sure. we'll address more of this later because I saw one of the questions that we had asked. It was kind of like uh, there was an element of this that I want to address. But Minish Cap is fascinating to me because one, it's a great game. I played it on my 3DS back in the day. Like very, very good game. Um, but it kind of represents like a very specific evolutionary strand of the series where it's like mm-hmm. the 2D Zeldas kind of split off into two diverging paths. And it's like the ones that Capcom works on. And that's like the Oracle games and the Minish Cap. And then there is the ones that stay in-house with Nintendo. And like uh, that's where you end up with like a link between worlds. And so... Yeah, the Minish Cap is like the apex of the Capcom games. So it's got the art style. Uh, it's got a very mm-hmm. Wind Waker esque art style. But it's like yeah. the the main signature thing of the Capcom developed games is that there is an item that lets you press a button to jump, and that's like such a big deal. <laughs> it's see, it's like okay, so that's, different. Yeah, uh, when I was playing Tears of the Kingdom and there was a jump button, mm-hmm. I was like, holy shit, there's a jump button in a Zelda game. Yeah. I've never experienced it, but I guess okay. It was Breath a Minish Cap. Did, yeah, I yeah. haven't. And oh, Breath of the Wild did. Yeah, Breath of the I Wild okay. did. Yeah, yeah. I did not remember that. Yeah, I never used it. But uh, <laughs> the the Minish Cap and uh, the Oracle games do too. They have like an item. Well, uh, so does Link's Awakening. So they have like an item you can get that allows you to jump, and that's like that's a very specific element of that strand of those games. And I mean, that's like such a small mechanical thing like that game is also just like really cool and really interesting in terms of how it changes up the 2d zelda formula but yeah minish cap is really good see so we do have some questions yeah uh we we got we solicited questions from listeners and we got a handful of them across our twitter and our tumblr can i start with the one question that we got on tumblr i think this will i think this will be a fun one to start with okay this is is from uh asynchronous podcast co-host kim kim says do you support Sidon's relationship with Yona? Uh, <laughs> I guess I no. should have. I should have said at the start, <laughs> we're gonna probably drop some pretty serious Tears of the Kingdom spoilers. But I think yeah, if if you have not finished Tears of the Kingdom, this is your sign. Come back, please, next leave. week. Yeah, 
Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't think Sidon and Yona's relationship is a big spoiler, though. Uh, you said you do not condone it. I. I it's giving beard. There's weird <laughs> vibes there. There's weird. the fact that you meet Yona for the first time and she's like, "Oh, I need you to help me clean off this statue of my uh, my husband you and his boyfriend." My husband. <laughs> like, it's weird. A little weird. It's a little, a little weird. weird. She also is just like, I love the design of the Zoras. The design of the Zoras that look more like hammerhead sharks kind of weirds me out. I'm not gonna lie. It's just kind of weird. Well, Simon kind of looks like a hammerhead. But like, or not the hammerheads, the uh, the manta ray ones, like Yona, like the ones oh, that yeah. look like a yeah, flat, those look wide like, head. Okay, I don't like it. can I just say, there's something about her that reminds me of Splatoon. I don't know, mm. it's a little squiddish, it's a little, a little manta squid-ish. rayish. Yeah, yeah I, don't I, don't, I, don't I don't know. I don't like that she's green. Like, yeah. not to be like racist, but. I, I don't like that she's green. Hmm. Aren't Zora supposed to be like blue and kind of red belly under? I don't know. I guess yeah. I don't know. I kind of the green didn't bother me. That didn't face me. But um, just kind of weird vibes. Weird vibes all around. Weird vibes of the Zora yeah. Kingdom. Yeah, yeah. There are some very strange vibes in the Zora Kingdom. Yeah. I like how I like how Sidon's dad is just like stewing in his mud. Mm-hmm. He's like, let me die. <laughs> Um, like, damn, bro, are you good? Like, it's kind of like it's kind of like when you go to the Goron Kingdom and there's just like that really old fucking dude, and he's like, yeah, oh, he just has the white hair and like yeah. the wrinkly lips. He's yeah. like, oh, Unobo sucks now, and Unobo's like, shut up, old man, fuck you. And it's like, what, what's with these weird old people in this game? Listen, every 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 uh, every species has like that one weird old guy. Yeah, and I think that's like necessary, honestly. Are there? I don't think there's any weird old Ritos. Same with the uh, the Gerudo. I don't think we eat, meet any like gilfs <laughs> or anything. You know, there was like one old lady shopkeeper. But that's it. She's not yeah. like a real character. She's more of an NPC. Hmm. But yeah, it there's some there's some strange vibes going on there in are the, some strange in the Zora vibes. Kingdom for sure. <laughs> that that was our only Tumblr question. So okay. shout out shout out to Kim. Go listen to Asynchronous. Uh, do you want to bounce over to the Twitter questions and start yeah, us off there? Yeah, sure. So Stephen Hilger of Into the Aether asks, assuming the 2D top-down Zelda games continue alongside the open-world games, kind of like 2D versus 3D Metroid, I Mm -hmm. I think that's what Stephen's getting at here, what further experimentation would you like to see in that retro style of Zelda game? In parentheses, like how Link Between Worlds added the item rentals in Cadence of Hyrule was a rhythm game. Um, ooh. Ooh, I really like Link Between Worlds. Yeah. I would like if they made more of those. <laughs> <laughs> um, or like the Link's Awakening remake. Mm-hmm. I think if they're going to continue to do like a 2D Zelda like along, A, I would like them to remake like the first two Zelda games in the That'd style cool. of Link's Awakening. That's like cool. my first thing. And then my other thing is like, let me see. I think the quality of life stuff, mm-hmm. like in the original Zelda, if you die, you un- undo a lot of progress. So just kind of like those types of tweaks. Uh, maybe some sort of co-op thing. Like maybe they could try to do like a Four Swords Adventures thing. Yeah. There and was try that, to bring back that idea. There was that one on the 3DS that was like Heroes. Triforce Heroes. Ooh. Triforce Heroes. Yeah, they sort of did yeah, that. It seems like every time they try to do it, it doesn't go well, but mm-hmm. I still kind of believe that maybe there's a way. Yeah. I think for me, a big part of it would be like um, 
remember there was that whole thing i don't remember if this was like a gdc talk or how this was un this was like explained but there was the the explanation that like when they were trying to come up with how breath of the wild was going to work the zelda team made like a prototype of it based on the nes zelda do you remember this there was that whole thing where yes. like there was the yes. working prototype that was functionally breath of the wild but it looked like nes zelda one and it was it played like nes zelda one and it was more to conceptualize like how puzzle solving would work and how world exploration would work i don't think i want something like that though i think like beauty of those 2d zelda games is typically in like the simplicity of it and as much as i like like the fact that breath of the wild and tears of the kingdom are in a lot of ways like just really elaborate physics games so many of the puzzles revolve around like physics i don't <laughs> yeah, think zelda i would want something like that games they really now. are and yeah. i don't think i would want that kind of thing to seep into the 2d ones i i think yeah that's not a good mix in the same way that like Super Mario Wonder looks like it's going to be like iterating on the 2D Mario games in a really interesting way without pulling in stuff from the 3D side as much. Yeah. I wouldn't really I, I think I like them being separate and I think I like the simplicity of the traditional puzzle solving of it, even if it is just like moving blocks around in an interesting area like i i don't think i would want to sacrifice that simplicity you know yeah should link turn into an elephant i don't see why not yeah i don't see why not <laughs> why not uh give him a little cat suit make him a, a tanuki yeah uh yeah i i definitely do think the 2d zelda is where i think the whimsy should be kept hmm. like i think there is something Especially that Link's Awakening remake, there's something like little like felt wool yeah. puppetry. The diorama kind of Yeah, look, diorama. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of those calico critters you see on TikTok. <clears throat> They're always like hitting mm -hmm. each other with cars. But <laughs> I was giggling because I was trying to imagine like uh, a scenario in one of in Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom where like that the dude in the purple bunny suit like takes over your house and is like hey i live here now you have to rent things for me <laughs> like you know, i can't I feel like conceptualize if, that if all the 3d zeldas that could pull that off i think twilight princess could pull that off but you have to be like a, <laughs> a real fucking weird clown guy like yeah. the guy at lake hylia that Ugh. runs that thing that shoots you out of the cannon he'd have to look really yucky yeah <laughs> yeah he'd have to be like gross looking yeah um, yeah i I don't know. I, I'm with that, though. Like, I, I, I like that there is room for that kind of, like, um, that book I was reading, the fight magic items about the JRPG history and that kind of thing. Uh, Aiden Moore, the author, referred to the Dragon Quest series as, like, the Saturday morning JRPGs. And I think I would mm. not want 2D Zelda to lose the Saturday morning JRPG uh type yeah. vibe that they have yeah you know? i think saturday morning vibe i think if they continue like a tune link or diorama links awakening as mm -hmm. aesthetic yeah. that would be the best way to drive forward 2d zeldas um chase allhart of video game podmatism asked aonuma said that the open world style zelda games are the blueprint moving forward i'm curious what the two of you think the next swerve will be under that design constraint Will they do more story, a bigger world, a different setting, etc.? Also, which of those would you prefer? 
I okay, so I think one really interesting element of this because this really got me thinking. As did um, a YouTube video came on my feed. I'll drop this in the description of the episode. It's called "What's Next for the Legend of Zelda" from somebody named Endo, and it got me thinking that there's like remember I mentioned earlier like the different evolutionary strands of the Zelda games. Like yeah, I think Skyward Sword is kind of like pushing up against the bounds of the Ocarina of Time flavor of Zelda. You know, where it's like you are... Yeah, it was the last of the moles. You, uh, you're Z-targeting everything. It's very linear story-wise. And all of it, a lot of the dungeons are about like you go to a place, you get an item, you find keys, etc., etc. Breath of the Wild completely broke that mold. And like Skyward Sword is pushing up against it in terms of how big the space is that you're in. But I think Tears of the Kingdom kind of returns to it in some ways in with like, sure, you don't get like traditional items, but the way that the temples rely upon the puzzle solving of your companions and they almost function like items like harkens back to the Ocarina of Time style in a lot of really interesting ways. It does. Yeah. I don't know then if the future of the 3D open world Zeldas is like continuing to pull elements from the past, continuing to kind of lean on that kind of more nostalgic dungeons, temples, finding keys, doing that kind of thing. But I kind of think they have to go to a different setting, right? Like, I I feel like they've done their two in Hyrule. Yeah, we've done the sky, we've done Hyrule, we've done under Hyrule. Yeah. We gotta go somewhere else. I feel like we yeah, have we gotta to. Get somewhere else. <laughs> we haven't gone somewhere else since like Termina. Yeah. So. Even though like it is heavily implied by like the locations in the Tears of the Kingdom map that like pretty much every other Zelda game, yeah, barring like the Termina one, take place within like this continent. But like, well, actually, I don't know. there is a Romani hmm. plains. Really? In the Tears of the Kingdom map, yeah. Oh. Fun, fun little fact. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah, I really, I don't know. That's a good question. I know there's that theory that this is like part two of a trilogy, and... I'm into that. You're into I'm that? Into th- I'm open. I saw a really interesting theory online, and I don't remember who posited this. It was another YouTube video I saw where someone posited that this is the end of a trilogy, and that trilogy started with Skyward Sword. And it goes Skyward Sword, Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom. I think that's really interesting because like that's interesting. They yeah. are directly connected, not just like thematically. Oh, for sure, the Zonai and the lore, everything. The but music. also like like the the Master Sword is like undeniably fee. You know, it's like when the Master Sword like lights up and beeps in Tears of the Kingdom, like that's fee in a way that like. The other games don't do because Skyward Sword didn't that's exist true. yet. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I think yeah. that's interesting. But I really. There's also kind of a thing of like you see the Master Sword kind of be forged yeah. in a way in Skyward Sword. Yeah. And then you're rediscovering it and using it in Breath of the Wild. Yeah. And then it gets destroyed and reborn. Yeah. And Tears of Kingdom. So it's, it feels like the sword is going through an arc. That's true. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. I feel like I feel like the. I really hope the answer going forward is not a bigger world because I think there is the impulse of no, bigger, better, really do it that. more. But I think the Zelda team, I would hope, is smarter than that. And they know and they've seen enough failures in this space to know that like the answer is not 
guess guess how many hours it takes you to walk from one side of this map to the other isn't that crazy yeah. guys yeah so i don't it doesn't ha we don't have to have a texas mindset about hyrule <laughs> it doesn't have to be bigger better i would actually really like if it wasn't i actually kind of felt like this was a little too big this time around a little too big um like maybe the depths could have been a little smaller it was kind of a shame to me how small the sky world was but how the depths were literally just like copy paste invert of hyrule I wish maybe we had gotten a little less of the depths and a little more of the sky, maybe a more of an even distribution. Well, and it's a stroke um, of genius that the depths is so dark and that you can only illuminate parts of it as you go. Because if you could see okay, everything... I do love, yeah, I do love the mechanics of the depths. If you could see everything and just see how, like, barren the depths were, it would be so fucking boring. But the fact that, yeah, like, every second that you're down there is, like fighting for your fucking life that is interesting yeah, yeah i do love that jesse spent a lot of time in in the depths i was mm -hmm. like this is where this is where they're getting their souls out for sure yeah um so i think i was thinking about how there's different degrees like there's a spectrum of open world right mm -hmm. so you have like completely non-open world linear like you get to this room and then you go to this next room like very old school zelda yeah and you have tears of the kingdom which is like just completely blown up and i was thinking about something in the middle and what I was actually thinking about wasn't even a Zelda game. What I was thinking about was Shimigami Tensei Five. Because hmm. Shimigami Tensei Five is like separate sandboxes, and each oh, of those sandboxes is a small open world. Mm -hmm. And I kind of like that idea. And it's like different regions hmm. of a overall bigger region. Yeah. So like maybe maybe Hyrule is just one region. Yeah. Or something like that. And there's other worlds. There's other realms. Um, I think about the Elder Scrolls series. How like Morrowind is a place. Yeah. But then in Oblivion, you're like in Cyrodiil. That's like a whole nother province or a yeah, country. That's true. Uh, um, so maybe like the next kingdom or kingdom two over would be cool. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of like that. I don't want it to be gigantic. Kind of want it to be a little more streamlined. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then story, uh, here's one of the complaints of Tears of the Kingdom, and I'm, I want to pick your brain about this, mm -hmm. is that for all of the gameplay you get, you are kind of getting kind of thin story. Did you feel that way? I, I don't know. I did not feel that way as much as I did in Breath of the Wild. I think Breath of the Wild is kind of a masterstroke of like you get as much of that game as you put into it, you know, like considering all of the all of the uh the flashbacks with the champions and stuff are functionally optional. Like in this game Demon King Secret Stone. Secret Stone? Stone? Yeah. In this game, you, in this game, you have to do like the geoglyphs, you know, like you have to get that information. And I I think part of it was the fact that it's not removed by a hundred years the way Breath of the Wild is. Because it's like Breath of the Wild feels so much like all the interesting characters you meet are people who have been dead for a hundred years, you know, or a thousand years or however long. Um Tears of the Kingdom, there's an interesting enough cast that, like, exists in the world and that you get to interact with. And I don't know. I thought the story was, like, really cool, honestly. I thought the the way that it is drip-fed to you 
I think you, the player, has a lot of agency in determining what the pace of it is in a lot of ways. And um, I definitely kind of drip-fed it to myself until about the halfway point, and then I went, oh, I need to see where this is going. And then I just kind of like mainlined the rest of the story. That is exactly what I did. I know some people that just like the first thing they did is they did all the memories. I'm like, that's kind of crazy. <laughs> like that seems insane. like a I lot to take that. in. Yeah. Um, so I did the drip feed and then I hit the third dungeon and I was like, does she turn into a dragon? Like what is going on? Yeah, like I need yeah. to, I was just like, this is, this is a little too, this is too much. I need to figure out what's going on. Um, and so by like the third or fourth dungeon, I had gotten uh, all of them, mm-hmm. but I hadn't gotten, I, so I, I did all the teardrops, mm-hmm. but I hadn't gotten to the place where you get even more memories. Yeah. Uh, so I waited till I did all four dungeons and did all the memories. And that, that, that felt very meaty to me, very substantial. I think it was enough story. Um, but some people think it's it was a little thin. Yeah, I do think the flashbacks with the guardians every time you beat a boss, <laughs> when they're like secret stone, yeah. like oh yeah. my god. Me, me, and five other stages sages stood before the demon king, but we were defeated. And it's yeah, it's and kind also of the I same had this conversation scene. with Zelda. It's like this. Yeah, and she's like, "You're going to meet a twink someday. His name is Link. We have to help him." And they're like, "Alrighty then." And then you go back to the present, and they're like. Why was Zelda in that flashback? That was a gazillion years ago. Why was Zelda there? And you're like, I don't know, yeah. buddy. Like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> and the sage is like, I'm proud of you, son. Yeah, I'm exactly. glad you're my descendant. I agree like, with you. It, it just, I agree with you. Yeah, that was a little repetitive. Yeah. Wish they had done that a few different ways. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Besides that, I'm pretty happy. I think if anything bristled for me with the uh, the story in this game, it was the secret stones. I feel like there is enough stuff in the Zelda mythos that they could have found something that already existed in the lore, and instead they were yeah. just like n- uh, n- different magic rocks than the past games. <laughs> you know. I also just don't like the name Secret Stone. It's goofy. I just, yeah. It it sounds it sounds like someone's D and D campaign. Yeah. Like not in a good way. Um, I don't know like what other name you could have given it, but like Stone of Time. Yeah. Like I, I listen, I think if we workshopped it, we could come up with like at least five better ones. Raru's Rock, maybe. Raru's Rock. That's pretty Stone good. Stone of Time. <laughs> like uh, I, yeah. We'll put a bit so, of that when it comes back to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, well tweet us with your with your, your uh, favorite secret stone name alternatives. I do think uh, uh <laughs> I do think they have to do like a, a well, I don't know if they have to, but I, I would not be surprised if we get a more linear story in a, a future installment. You know, like uh, less drip feed, less, uh, less. So much of this is removed by a gazillion years. Like more of a direct story. Yeah, I would like that. Alex asked if you could have a sequel to any existing Zelda that expands on it, such as Ocarina to Majora. Breath of Wild to Tears of the Kingdom, which would you like to see? Hmm. Um. So, I mean, Wind Waker has sequels, but it's True. like two hundred years later, your yeah. great 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 grandson is writing the spirit tracks. Yes, or so even like, uh, Link Between eh. Worlds. Like it's the same map as Link to the Past, even if it's uh, even if it's not like thirty minutes after the completion of that game. So yeah. Um. 
I don't know. That's a good question. I guess I would be curious about what a Twilight Princess sequel would look like. Mm-hmm. Um, even though that is a game that I, I very much believe is not meant to have a sequel, like that mirror got shattered. Yeah. You know, like that world is no longer available to you. Um, but what I could see, like Link Between Worlds, is some sort of situation where, like, Hyrule, low roll, mm. you play as Link in Hyrule, and then on the opposite side of things, you play as Midna. Yeah. Um, some sort of way of converging, and maybe you find the pieces of the mirror again, or something like that. I could see. I think that'd be interesting. Um, but I do like the finality of that game's ending. Yeah. I do like that she that she breaks the mirror. I think this is kind of like a cheating in that it's I'm not sure if it would be a direct sequel, so to speak, but I think something else in the vein of Link's Awakening would be really interesting because like the the intro cutscene of Link's Awakening always fascinated me because it's talking about how Link is like on a journey going somewhere and then his boat is destroyed. And I remember thinking, like, well, where the fuck was he going? You know, like, was was this version yeah. <laughs> of Link, like, seafaring and going on some, like, crazy epic adventure to go somewhere else? And I think, like, yeah. um, a Zelda game like that where you are not, maybe not necessarily, like, the same vibe of, like, oh, what's really happening? It's very a mystery. But, like, a Zelda game where you are, like, totally outside of your element and in, like, a totally new area, totally new realm, kingdom, whatever, even, like, Majora's Mask type of thing. And I do really like yeah. the, like, Link to the Past, uh, Link's Awakening type of vibe. I really like, like, kind of smaller depicted or like all the old um concept art for a link to the past where it's very like dark fantasy and like uh yeah epic fantasy you're in a dark temple and you're carrying around a torch yeah. to illuminate the chambers like i think kind of camelotti kind of camelotti yeah like yeah something in that vein whether it would be a direct sequel or more just like a thematic sequel i think would be really cool like i that, i guess you could say those games are more western i guess yeah yeah but, or at least they're very like medieval like they're very mm-hmm. rooted yeah, they're... those concept art images of like link walking through dark temple corridors with like the torch lit have like implanted yeah. themselves in my brain like a game mm-hmm. a game that leans into that kind of aesthetic would be super super cool Let's see. One last question from Jackson on Twitter at King Backjack. Jackson asked, Ultra Hand Construction is practically a game in of itself as evidenced by the thousands of machines people have shown off online. What gameplay mechanic from a different genre do you think would suit a future Zelda surprisingly well? Um, okay. So one complaint I have about Tears of the Kingdom is that your, like, spirit guys are, like, all up in your shit all the time. Yeah. It's really annoying. Um, they need, just, I hate when they're all running away, they're yeah. all running around, and you just want to, like, hit the A button, and, like, suddenly you get a gust of wind, you're like, Tulin, I did not call you. Yeah. It also, um, like, really makes the frame rate chug, which is beyond, oh, beyond what yeah. you were mentioning, but, like, when there's just, it, like... It's just a pain. <laughs> when there's just, like, six it's, motherfuckers on screen, and then a mech suit, yeah. and, like, also nine goblins you're all fighting, like, the game really yeah. chugs. It's, it's a lot. So I think if, if we're gonna have, like, little spirit guys... Like, you know, Elden Ring summons, basically, mm, yeah. helping you out. Almost like a party can, system, even, yeah. 
yeah, so either make him more smart, like Elden Ring summons, or go kind of Final Fantasy and have like a little drop down list of like yeah. attacks and like put them away. Like, uh, they just need to they just need to get smarter. Yeah, if you're gonna have Link have a party, he needs to be a more capable manager of that party. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a really good point. Um, okay, my first answer is a, an in-game card game. That's one that no Zelda game has had, and I'm such a I'm such a fucking sucker for an in-game card game that like everyone what plays. Is, are we talking like a, are we talking like a Marvel Snap? Or are we talking like I'm talking what kind like of card a, game? Like a like a triple triad Gwent? or like the yeah like a Gwent kind of thing like uh you like the Final Fantasy games that have card games where like you can I think Final Fantasy Nine is a good example where it's like or Gwent yeah you walk up to an NPC and you can talk to them or you can challenge them to a card game like I fucking love that that's cute yeah I like that I I, I could definitely see you winning some heart pieces if you beat someone at the card game that's one of my fave things I like that I think my my less silly answer would be. I think um, I this is so funny. I didn't actually complete this quest line, but that quest line when you go to um, not Terrytown, what's the other one? Hatino Village. Hatino. To, yeah, and they're having like the election, and like someone's running for mayor. <laughs> I think <laughs> I if, did that one. You did, yeah. I think yeah. if Zelda were to lean into the direction of like Yakuza, where there's like a persistent oh, space yeah. with persistent characters. And like ongoing, I guess Majora's Mask is probably the closest that it has ever gotten. Interpersonal like dramas, yeah, yeah. that's kind of true. Like I, I think that would be really cool because I think like the beauty of the Yakuza games, from what I know from people who are really into them, and the teeny tiny bit of Yakuza Zero I've played, like the appeal of those games is that you learn. Wait, what am I talking about? I'm a fucking Shenmue head. This is Shenmue too. Like you that's learn, true, yeah. you learn a space and you learn the hours that the shops are open. And when someone says, ah, you need to bring this to somebody who can translate Chinese, you're like, fucking, I know who does that and you know what shop to go to. Like, that's really appealing. And I think with such a colorful cast of like goofy characters in Tears of the Kingdom, like I think they could yeah. pull something like that off really, really well. I love the little quest line you have with the boutique lady mm-hmm. and she's running for mayor, yeah. of course. And like that line with her sister and like you know quote unquote simple farm people could enjoy fashion mm-hmm. too it's so silly. like there's something they're so so sweet and she like sneaks off and eats vegetables at night like adorable mm-hmm. um so yeah those are all the questions that we had thanks guys for for sending those in yeah thank you so much to everybody for sent those in and if anybody ever has any like non-thematic related questions we can be reached via email at hey yeah. start at gmail.com just ask us about whatever the fuck and we'll answer it on the show <laughs> yeah so you beat tears of the kingdom i beat tears of the kingdom yes how how did you feel about the ending i really loved the ending i thought it not only was it like um one of the more like epic quote-unquote ganon boss fights in the series i thought the very like spirited away ass ending was like really i i genuinely was not expecting zelda to turn back into a person i legitimately thought she was going to be stuck as a dragon forever and that was just like what you were stuck with yeah i thought we were going like for a real avatar the last airbender like my girlfriend turning yeah. to the moon and moment. that, that and just sucks like, yeah that just sucks exactly hey 
Donkey from Shrek has a dragon wife, so like you can make it work. Yeah. But like But this turned out to be more of like a spirited away haku. Like mm-hmm. he's a dragon sometimes, but sometimes he's not. I think like I I knew that Ganon was gonna turn into like some kind of a beast because it's a Zelda game and like the final boss is never just like a dude unless it's the Wind Waker in which it is just a dude but like it's almost never just a dude and when after you beat him in that like really annoying sequence where he gets like a slightly different pattern of moves and I had to try that so many fucking times to beat it okay um, did you die I died a ton of times yeah okay that is so interesting what did you do it on first shot really yeah because I I think I found a glitch and I exploited it. Ah. Basically, I managed to knock him back into a corner Stop. and then he wasn't doing his evading thing. And yeah. so I just like, I had my Master Sword fully charged and I attached a silver Lionel thing to it, which gives oh. it like 55 damage. And I just beat the shit out of him. That's so fucking funny. In like five minutes and I didn't die. Yeah. I, <laughs> I tried a ton of times and he kept kicking my ass. Until I finally remembered that I could fuse things to the Master Sword. And so I fused the one um, Lizalfo's horn that looks like a scythe to the Master Sword, which was oh, very that funny. So sick. It was it was really dope, but it was funny. It looks goofy. It looks yeah. goofy. And like the cutscenes, like the game clearly did not I don't know if you noticed this, the game clearly does not want you to have done that because the Master Sword sometimes at some angles just looks like the Master Sword, and then other times in my game it yeah, looked it like really a scythe. Yeah, it really wants you to have the cinematic moment. Like, no guys, you're not like fusing yeah. like rocks to this. <laughs> but yeah, I died quite a few times actually, and uh, it is worth noting too that I was wearing the Ocarina of Time garb when I beat Ganon, which um, was dope. That was really sick. The cutscene where like I love, I love that outfit. Oh, <laughs> it was so fucking cool. When Ganon jumps down and he pulls out his sword, and then it flashes over to Link, and he like pulls the sword out, and he kind of like rotates it a little bit, so the like the light glints off of it. Mm-hmm. Seeing him oh, dressed as Ocarina of moment. Time, Link was just like the coolest like baby brain ass shit ever. It was Aww. so cool. But um, I had the Ocarina of Time middle part hat mm-hmm. on, so I, I got a little bit of that. Yeah. But I was having him wear one of those like gloom depths Smart. robes, so Smart. I I wouldn't get my heart taken away yeah. as quickly but yeah i did have a little bit of that like 90s zelda moment yeah i was i was fully expecting him to like shoot a beam that would have to like play tennis with him yeah i right? thought we were gonna do one of those but he didn't but i think um, um the the then transition about the yeah the, the dragon the dragon bit was really dope and i really liked thematically so one i thought that it was the whole thing about like you eat the sacred stone and you turn into a dragon was like not only foreshadowed but through the thing with zelda like we knew how dire those consequences were so like when he gets backed into a corner and rips it out of his head i like audibly gasped i was like oh my god i know what's happening he's gonna turn into a fucking dragon like that (laughs) floored me because the game had done such a good job of like setting up the expectation of that and then the fact yeah. that like Zelda despite the fact that she was supposed to have like completely lost herself in the process of becoming a dragon like knew it, it was like it's like an animalistic like no knowledge that you have to fight Ganon and you gotta protect Link was like really cool it was very Shadow of the Colossus at the end where yeah, you're yeah. just like thrown I, into the air to, to back this up before you even start this battle you get the Master Sword you get it from noticing there's a dragon flying above you in the air it's yes. a very beautiful white dragon super cool Zelda. sequence too yeah um and you like ascend and you land on her and very studio ghibli moment i love her design and uh you 
she has the master sword embedded like in her head yeah it's freaky and you have to pull it out and she's like screaming and thrashing and like you're trying not to get tossed off of this dragon mm-hmm. thousands of feet into the sky there's something very animalistic about it mm-hmm. and it's like she knows you're supposed to do, to do this but yeah. it's hurting her yeah and um yeah, there's there's definitely some symbolism there. Well, and uh, what a cool inverse of like the the master sword is it is like purified and powered up by sitting in Zelda's forehead like that for thousands of years, and yeah. then you kill Ganon by like plunging it into his forehead and destroying yeah. his stone. Like the the inversion there is like super super cool. Oh, that's true. I haven't even thought about that, but it was. I love the sword in the stone master sword moments in zelda games they feel very sacred and like very important and i've always loved the music that plays the orchestral music that plays in ocarina of time when you pull the sword out for the first time that like swelling orchestra Mm -hmm. that takes you through time and in this game as you're pulling it out of her forehead you hear that exact music and i gasped i was like (gasps) like i felt like i was a kid again yeah and part of me is like Part of me, because this game involves time travel with Zelda's storyline, I'm like, am I about to travel through time? That was my thought. Um, but we, but we, you don't. Um, but it was such a such a moment, and it definitely reiterates like the love that she has for Link in this game. Yeah. To transform herself into what's considered an irreversible fit act, and live for thousands of years just waiting yeah. for him is definitely a like i love you in every universe sort of moment and i it was really precious um but yeah that ganon fight it was dope fucking impeccable what is so impeccable i'm curious your thoughts about so like you beat ganon zelda's turned back into a human you plunge through the air in like that really beautiful spirited away sequence and you catch her Mm -hmm. and then the credits roll and then there's that whole post-game i guess cutscene of like uh, what happens after that? What What were your thoughts on that? I'm curious. Felt a little bit like after you uh, like watch a Captain America movie, <clears throat> and the credits roll after, <laughs> and like soon enough, it's like him and all the Avengers, and the Fury's like, "So I've gathered you guys because there was a bigger thing." Yeah. I, you know, like um, I I like it. It was okay. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was necessary. Yeah, I don't think it was necessary. But seeing them all together and being like, "Hey guys, this is the sky." Yeah. Wonder what this has been part of my job for the last God knows how long. And then like Mi- um, Minoru no longer being in her mech suit and she's like, Peace out guys, I have to die now. Yeah, I guess. She like, becomes like a force ghost. Yeah. yeah. That was yeah, that was a moment. It was yeah. All right, yeah. I, I I think that was nice. Um but there was something in there where they're like, now we have to rebuild yeah. the kingdom. Yeah. So I'm like that to me is like, is this a trilogy? Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Restoration of the kingdom. Mm. Yeah. Love a good restoration fantasy. Yeah. Love a good restoration (laughs) fantasy. Which I'm like, I don't think that I don't think that needs to be a game. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. I think that could just be a DLC. Mm. Yeah. Uh, There's probably gotta be DLC for this, right? Like there's got well, they're releasing amiibo in like November of this year, which to Mm. me is strange Hmm. for a game that came out in May. So like there has to be some sort of something. Yeah. Yeah, I thought one big complaint I had about Breath of the Wild was the fact that when you beat the game and then you got to wander around Hyrule, there was like no real changes to the world. You know, like you would still talk to NPCs and they'd still be like, oh, Calamity Ganon, I'm so freaked out about that. Nobody, yeah. like there wasn't a whole lot of change. 
this game, I was genuinely kind of shocked that when I reloaded my save, I was just right back in the boss room with Ganon. So, like, because I was watching that final cutscene where, like, Minoru's outside of her mech suit, and I was like, oh, I guess I won't be able to have Minoru as a companion anymore. Like, I thought I was going to be able to just, like, pick it back up and keep exploring the world. And I think it's, like, kind of a bummer that you actually don't get to go back into the world, even though I don't really think there would have been a whole lot of changes to the world. I was kind of shocked. Yeah, it feels final. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like you're, there's consequences. Yeah, it's and, very uh, weird. I kind of like that. I was not expecting yeah, that. Yeah, it is kind of weird. Um, I love Minoru's, like, the spirit temple in this game. That Minoru's, was cool. like, yeah. plotline, how you get to, like, be in a cage match with yeah. another, like, a monster, and you're piloting the mech, and you're throwing bombs at it. That was great. That was great fun. The spirit temple was cool, too, because, um, one... I didn't see it coming at all. Like I got all the sages and I was Me like, either. all right, I did it. And then Pura was like, oh wait, there's another sage. We forgot about her. And you're like, oh right, another temple. But um, there was a, I, I think this point was made on the, one of the most recent episodes of a video game, Podsumism. They were talking about the end of Zelda and like the spirit temple really demands a lot of you. Like you need to have an yeah. understanding of how all of your tools work. It's not like, and I, yeah, I think it's the, like the final exam. Exactly. It's I, I don't think the other ones are handholdy, but it's like the solution to most of the puzzles is some derivation of like, you know, you gotta use the lightning to strike the thingy. That is how you do it. And sure, you're gonna have to like ultra hand a few things to get in there and that kind of thing. But like this dungeon was like, no, it was all ultra hand. It was all time travel stuff. And like it really, you really had to have a good grasp on that shit. Like I thought that was really, really cool. Yeah, I, I will say the difficulty of these dungeons were a little weird. I, I know there's a, there's a suggested order, right? Like, yes. you're not supposed to start off with a lightning temple. Yes, um, you definitely were not. I got that feeling 100%. I was not <laughs> supposed to do that. But even though I did the lightning temple as my fourth, it was harder than the spirit temple for me. Yeah. The lightning temple had me, especially when you're supposed to, like, direct all those mirrors mm -hmm. all the way up and, like, hit the right thing that so you was tough. get to the boss yeah. room. That took me, like, two hours. Like, I had to, like... I had to like eat lunch and like take a break and come back. I was like, my brain is too fried for this. Um, so the the jump in difficulty was a little weird yeah. for me for the lightning. It was temple. a little all over the place, yeah. But I still think it was um, fun. The spirit temple but, yeah. felt just right as like a final exam. Yeah, it reminds me of Ganon's castle in Ocarina because you know how like in Ocarina, the final Ganon's castle is like or Hyrule Castle. Mm -hmm. Every room is like a mini version of the temple. Yeah. That's a good point. So it kind of felt like that. Um, you know, each body part. So I think it was a very good final dungeon and hell of an ending. I, yeah. I'm i very blown away by this game. I agree. I was thinking about my like Zelda tier list. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I don't know where this goes. It definitely goes higher than Breath of the Wild. I think it might be one of my favorites. I'm, I think it might be. I'm I think it might be too. tied with like with ocarina at this point um they they really outdid themselves with this one it's, I, it's incredible we were all wondering like i was actually worried that this game would be kind of like a i don't know like sequel flop mm -hmm. uh because breath of the wild just felt so big and like ah like you know how could you make one better than this mm -hmm. um in terms of like gameplay and exploration there's definitely like room for improvement in those divine beast dungeons yeah but 
I, there is a, there is an anxiety there that I had, and they they outdid themselves, and I'm like so pleased with that. I think Breath of the Wild Two was the kind of game that like it could have very easily been the only one of its kind. Like there is a oh yeah, there's a totally understandable universe where like that's the only one of its kind, and it returns back to a like more uh old school formula going forward. But now knowing that like. We got two of these. We're probably going to get at least one more that is like this because the Zelda team has said that, like, we really like doing this style of Zelda game. It's like the current evolution. I, uh, I'm i really excited for what comes next. You know, like, after beating Breath of the Wild, I was like, where are they going to go from here? Now I'm like, I guess I kind of have a vague idea. They'll probably invert mm-hmm. it in such a way that it is totally unrecognizable and I'll have no clue and I'll be wrong. But, like, I'm very excited to see what comes next. Okay, let's take a brief break here, and then we're going to come back with what we've been playing. And we are back. Welcome back. So, Noah, what have have you been playing? So, like I said, I'm kind of a... I'm kind of at a loss at the moment. Like I, I, I need to kind of figure <laughs> out what my next like big, big gaming venture is going to be. Um, chances are part of it is going to be Pikmin Four because um, we're I'm planning on pre-ordering that because Christine and I both got really into the demo and she was like, "So when are we getting Pikmin?" And I was like, "If you're gonna also play it, I will totally like jump in and grab that." Um, one game I did play this past week. This is a little smaller one. It's a Switch game called Fishing Vacation. It's also on Itch. It was made for a horror-themed, or a horror-fishing-themed game jam back in 2021, I believe. And um, it's, like, Game Boy, original Game Boy-style art, and you go on a fishing vacation in kind of, like, a very spooky cabin and you go fishing and spooky things happen. I played through this game in like 45 minutes. It's a pretty short game, but there's like multiple endings. So I got one ending and I was like, oh my God, I need to go back and do more fishing and figure out what the other endings are going to be. So very neat game. Like if you if you want like a little bite-sized creepy experience that also is fishing themed, I highly recommend that one. But yeah, other than that, uh, I beat Zelda. I put a lot of time into like really hitting the end of Zelda and I'm kind of figuring out what my my next move is going forward. So, what about you? So, oh, bef- go ahead. Before we move on, how many hours did you put into Zelda? 115, right about. Okay. I did 150. Damn. So, what did you were you, were you trying to like 100% any aspect like shrines or anything like that? Not really. Uh I I didn't even get all of like the map of the depths finished up. I think I probably did around like 80 or 90 shrines, so like over half, but like yes. not there's like 150 of them I believe. Like I'm not I'm not closing in on the end of that. Like what about you? Yeah. I did all the shrines and oh, all the depths. Holy shit, you did. So you got the weird costume of like the furry guy, right? Yeah, I did. <laughs> What's up with that? What's up with the furry guy? I don't guy? know what the hell that was about. Yeah, but I, I was truly... like, someone's into this. Whoever was designing this. I went and read some lore stuff where people were theorizing that that is like 
an incarnation that is the incarnation of the hero who like fought off ganon in the hieroglyphics they show in breath of the wild because he's got like the oh, bright Link's red like hair furry ancestor but it's like, okay link has furry ancestors like how does that work why not like, why not i guess yeah i guess but like from, from the minds of the people who made hot ganon, hot ganon. i mean why not yeah, yeah. hot ganon so. you've heard of hot ganon now here is a humanoid wolf link <laughs> yeah hey familiar ground to tread honestly exactly uh so i just had i did a, i did every single shrine in breath of the wild so i knew i was gonna do the shrines mm-hmm. i was like i gotta do this did you start using a guide like did you reach a point where you were like okay i haven't found one i haven't found all of them let me pull up a map that shows where they are um i tried to do it blind up until i was about to beat the game wow and by that point i had gotten like 80 shit yeah. um and so i was like okay there's still like 50 more but like let's just do it and so yeah i was i was plotting and then i would look at that you know map and then flip to the depths and see because there are light routes for just about every shrine true yeah good point point. and so i was once you have all of one you might as well do the other so if you get all the shrines you might as well do all the light routes and vice versa mm-hmm. so once i got all the shrines i was like let me just let me just do this um and so i did it and i will say it was really hard when you have like all but one shrine because you're looking at the map and it's like crowded yeah and you're like where could the last one possibly be and so you pull up a map from like polygon and it shows all of them you're like scanning okay this one i this one and i like sat there with jesse i was like where is the one i'm missing <laughs> um and so that took us like 10 minutes of just like staring at the screen he was like i found it and i you know i did it and I went straight to the depths and found that correlating light route. And so I kind of finished the shrines in the depths simultaneously. Huh. That's cool. That's really cool. I uh, I yeah. kind of wanted to leave myself something that would incentivize me to come back to it. You know, like I definitely mm. see myself like dipping back into it, not playing it like as fervently as I've been playing it the past couple of weeks. But like this is definitely a game that I can see myself like booting up, playing for an hour, knocking out a few shrines. And I kind of wanted to leave myself like an element unfinished there so i could come back to it yeah no i I respect that um now when i come back for let's say dlc oh i guess i could do some side quests i kind of did everything i wanted to do in the base game so i think in hindsight maybe you made the the better choice (laughs) (laughs) um anything else you've been playing besides that other than that pretty light um yeah that's kind of where i'm at what about you what are you playing so I have been playing Final Fantasy 16. Okay. Um very I think it's a fun game. I love the combat. Like based on action alone, fantastic game. Mm-hmm. I do think it suffers. Do you want do you mind if I get into spoilers? Uh no. I, I don't mind. I'm probably not gonna play this anytime soon. So Okay, so spoilers for Final Fantasy 16. Um this is a game that's trying to be like three games at the same time. Oh. And I think it should just be one hmm. or be none of those three things it's trying to be and be something else entirely. Um, so the first main arc of this game, the arc, like the story is basically your brother awakened to his true form as icon, kind of like a, a beast mm-hmm. that he transforms into with his magic powers. Um, and he's killed in combat. Ugh. And 13 years later, you're an adult and you're like kind of a mercenary, like, 
slave dude and you're like i'm gonna find the guy who killed my brother and kill him and you're just like hung up on vengeance that's your whole character very anime and so you're like going through all these towns and like with the a couple of ragtag guys mm -hmm. and you're trying to like find this other dominant that's like the word for a mage basically in this game that's a little weird <laughs> Anyway, hold on a minute. Who, <laughs> who uh, killed your brother? Uh, also, can I just say this Final Fantasy game is weird because it has like Final Fantasy ass names. Mm -hmm. Like, there's guys named Sid. Let's go. And Clive and and, <laughs> and Mid Mid Diola. Like, just very like you know fantasy ass names. And then you yeah. like will meet a guy named Tyler. And you're Let's like, what the go. fuck? Yeah. <laughs> like, why is your name Tyler? It makes no sense. Um. So anyway, you're like, I gotta, I gotta avenge Joshua. That's your little brother. <laughs> Literally, his name is Joshua. Josh. It's me, Ramza, and this is my buddy Josh. <laughs> yeah, that's literally this whole game. It's like my name is you know, Lord Rosenfeld, and this is my guy Tyler. That's you so know, funny. like it's so, it's so funny. Anyway, so you're like, I gotta avenge my little brother, and so you go through all this stuff. You like kill all these bad guys you do all these crazy ass boss battles i will say the cinematic aspects like quick time events that happen during these boss fights are a lot of fun mm -hmm. these boss fights are a blast so you do a bunch of story stuff and you come to the conclusion uh you've been told your whole life that your little brother is a dominant and you're not <laughs> it's kind of like your brother's a firebender but you're like Sokka. yeah you know like you're just a guy who's good with a sword but he was he was actually um, a sub or something <laughs> <laughs> but then you uh you end up in a fight and you are losing but you have this breakthrough moment and you hear a voice that's like awaken i am inside of you and your character's like oh and you know screaming and we're having like a real persona moment mm -hmm. you're like awakening to your true self you have a, do shit. You have a dominant inside of you <laughs> and you actually are a dominant oh it's been awakened inside of you interesting and you look at you your new dominant creature body mm -hmm. and you realize oh shit i'm the guy who killed my brother <gasps> dun 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 oh okay and so the next dominant on dominant violence <laughs> <laughs> and so um you're kind of like ang because most dominants just stick to one element so your brother was fire uh your teammate jill is uh ice mm. your other teammate Sid is thunder. You you meet you you face off with a, a boss who is the hot lady you've seen in this game who like yeah. smokes with her magic pipe. Okay, she's like wind. That's right because um, it's it, she's Garuda. Okay, yeah, because it's all the summons. So it's like Shiva <laughs> yeah. and Ifrit and like those yes. elemental guys. Yes. Okay, yeah. You're you are you are Ifrit. Okay. Um, your teammate Jill is Shiva, and whatever. So what happens is as you beat these bosses, as you kill these people who are dominance you absorb their power. Mm. So now you have Ifrit and you have Garuda and you have such and such. And uh, someone on your team, I'm not gonna say who, actually dies mm -hmm. and you end up taking their power. Ooh. Like permanent party death. Um, so you are, you're bending all the elements. Okay, um, getting more dominance in you, bending the elements, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Getting more dominance in you. Uh -huh. But then at the same time, there's all this political intrigue, like this kingdom is invading this kingdom. And while that's happening, this third kingdom that is a small island is taking advantage and invading the back half of this kingdom. Hmm. And they are, you know, it's very like Game of Thrones, 
two people just had sex and they're like by the candlelight discussing like, oh, we're going to lead our men into battle tomorrow and, you know, naked lady backs, you know, yeah. and it's just like they're doing some Game of Thrones shit. But then like your main guy is like on his persona grind, basically. And like awakening to his true self That's really and learning strange. how to forgive himself for killing his brother, I guess, question mark. Mm-hmm. Um, why did you kill your brother? And then you find out actually your brother isn't dead. Plot twist. Hmm. He looks like Roxas, by the way. Your brother Joshua in this game, dead ass, looks like Roxas and he has a little black room. Of course he does. Literally some organization 16, 13, sorry, organization 13-ish going on here. Mm-hmm. And then on top of all of this happening, you have these Final Fantasy 15 fetch quests like, oh, go to this other island and get me like three planks of wood so I can build a bench for my dad. You know, just like random fetch quests that really mean nothing. Mm-hmm. There's a little plot line where one of your teammates, Jill, gets like sick. So you have to take her back to the infirmary of your home, your like home base. Mm-hmm. And while you're doing that, while she's resting up, you have to like do a bunch of like random quests where you talk to like five people yeah. about getting information on a random thing that's so it's like it's trying to and you still have like you know that sort of action-based final fantasy devil may cry combat very cinematic cutscenes which are really giving bayonetta Mm. but then you have this story arc of awakening to yourself and your truth which is very persona and then they have this game of thrones political intrigue and i feel like it's a lot for one game yeah that's, and I'm like, you should have just chosen to be one of those things. Yeah. Or maybe you could have just been a brainless action game. And that also would have been okay. How does this game feel lineage-wise with other Final Fantasy games? Like, I know you, you played 7 Remake. I know you're familiar, at least, with, like, how some of the other ones play. Like, how I've does, played 7. Yeah. I've played a little bit of 12, not much. I've played a little bit of 10. Mm-hmm. I've played 15, and I've played both Crystal Chronicles. Like, how does this feel connected to the past games? Or does it? Uh, it feels very different to me. Although I will say there is some musical callbacks. There is a, a very, like, harp tune that you hear in Final Fantasy VII. There was a brief moment in a cutscene where, you know, that when you turn on Final Fantasy VII, mm-hmm. there's a do 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 like that little harp thing. I, you hear that in one of the cutscenes. That's cool. In 16, and I was like, hello? Hmm. Um, a little weird. <laughs> yeah, I think... Not to, mention Jill, not to mention Jill is just off-brand Tifa, but that's just that's that's another funny. story for another time. How how far are this into this are you? Like, are you, are you thinking you're going to plug away? Yeah, I'm more than halfway. So there's 70 chapters, hmm. and I'm on, like, chapter 40. Oh, wow. So, okay. like... I'm getting there. Yeah. Um, the soundtrack absolutely bussin'. I love the music that plays when you walk through your old hometown. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very nostalgic. I love the battle music. It's just it goes so incredibly hard. Hmm. The music goes hard when you're just like killing a little guy on the side of the road. <laughs> so it goes really hard when you're like actually killing a boss. Yeah. Um, you kill chocobos in this game. I I didn't like that. You kill chocobos. Yeah, there's wild chocobos you can encounter as yeah. you're traveling from destination to destination, and they're like NPC enemies. Like you, you kill them. That's fucked up. And oh my it feels God. really wrong. Yeah, huh. I tried to avoid them, but one time I got surrounded by like three of them, and I was like, "Sorry, I have to like roast you guys alive." Oh my God, I saw I saw a tweet <laughs> recently that was like, "It's a tragedy that chocobos are 
like IP protected and Square Enix should make them public domain because I want to see chocobos in Star Wars. I want to see chocobos in Dragon Quest. I want them in Riverdale. I want chocobos everywhere. <laughs> I want them in Riverdale. <laughs> I will say it's a little weird. They're going for this Game of Thrones shit and then you go back to like your central hub and there's a Moogle that's like, what's up, Koopo? Oh, fuck yeah. And you're like... <laughs> I just saw someone get beheaded like two cutscenes ago. Like this is this is fucking weird. Um, just this dissonance I'm hearing of like dominance, and uh, I've heard there's like the big ham-fisted slavery metaphor in this game that I've heard like a lot oh, yeah. about. Yeah, that, like, you are branded. Uh, yeah, you're branded, uh, and and you have like a, a tattoo on your face because you're branded. All of that, and then there's still like. Want to save your game, Koopo? Like that's just really no. weird. I don't know, dude. I think yeah, like, I think they're definitely stretching the limits of what a Final Fantasy game can be, and yeah. I think they've stretched it a little uncomfortably far. But maybe like the elastic will snap back yeah. for seventeen, and it'll be more of a return to form with some more action-based elements. Well, it's really interesting because it's like that was my kind of hang up when I saw the trailers for this, and like when it was announced that sixteen was coming out, I was like, oh, neat. And then I saw the trailer and I was like, this just doesn't look like my vibe. Like, I'm I'm happy for the people <laughs> that are going to enjoy this. I'm going to stick to playing like my more silly, lighthearted kind of like uh, stage play esque Final Fantasy games. And I there was a quote in Fight Magic Items, uh, the book I mentioned earlier that I bookmarked and I grabbed my Kindle. When we were on break so I could go for find it. This is an interview where. uh it was it was an interview with uh, Jeremy Parrish, games journalist, and he was talking to some of the dev team from Square Enix for Final Fantasy XII in 2017 when it was like being remastered and brought over again. And one of the lead producers, uh, Hiroaki Kato, says, "There's nothing you can't do because it's Final Fantasy. If it's fun, then it's accomplished what it's supposed to be." And I think like. I think this is sort of part and parcel with our conversation about Zelda, you know, where it's like Zelda Zelda can be a lot of things. There are a lot of different things that fit under that umbrella. I think the the umbrella of Final Fantasy is much wider, but like it, it makes sense historically. Like you get seven very futuristic, dystopian, cyberpunk, and then you get eight even more science fiction-y. And then it snaps back and you get nine, which is like a deliberate throwback to the old medieval games. So like this one is medieval, but it's like grimdark Western fantasy medieval. So it's I, I think if the people making Final Fantasy think that Final Fantasy is not restrictive in terms of what it can be, then I think there's really no reason for us to feel that way. But I agree, like, when when I hear Final Fantasy, I think of one thing, and I think of a bunch of different things, but I think of, like, a, a type of game, and the fact that this is kind of pushing those bounds is interesting, but I, I imagine it's gotta snap back. <laughs> like, I, I imagine it's gotta yeah, return some to point, something we, different. We cannot have fucking and throat slitting and chocobo killing, this and but still have a Moogle. Yeah. Just it's really interesting. It it's really, I'm I'm looking forward to hearing like how this pans out because like there are definitely games in this series that kind of like jump the jump the shark as you get closer to the end of it, and it's like all. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. I've been hearing that they do not stick the landing. Ooh, that's and I can kind of see. <laughs> 
Where like if a gymnast is like doing her third air flip and she's about to land, I'm like, ooh, mm-hmm. something about that foot doesn't look right. Yeah. I'm already seeing it, but I have not seen the gymnast like sprain her ankle on the <laughs> landing yet. But I know we're about to get there. <laughs> That's almost more interesting to me than if it had like landed, you know? <laughs> that that might actually be more interesting to me. <laughs> yeah. So I'll definitely keep you updated on that. Besides that, I've been trying to like honestly keep it light. Yeah. Uh, I've been through a lot of shit lately. I lost one of my parents. Um, and I gotta say, there was an uncomfortable amount of media about dead parents. I've been trying to avoid it. Like, I really watched an episode of Queer Eye because, like, it's my happy show. Mm-hmm. And the guy was like, I haven't been the same since my mother died. I'm like, okay. Same girl, but like we don't need to talk about yeah. it. Um, and then I, I like watch an episode of Mad Men, and literally half of the episode takes place at like the main character, one of the main characters' parents' funerals. I'm like, I can't be watching this shit. Jesus Christ! Um, I'm like trying to like avoid it by just like watching my normal shit, and I it keeps I keep encountering it. Yeah. So now I'm just like, Jesse is watching this really dumb anime about scientists competing against each other i don't know what it's called <laughs> okay um but they keep saying shit like the power of science <clears throat> re- repeatedly over and over again and i'm just like keep this on you can watch one piece like yeah. you can watch vinland saga like i don't you can watch your boy anime i'll be eating my girl dinner mm-hmm. like i i'm checked out i cannot be watching serious shit right now yeah um so that's that's kind of where i'm at and i'm kind of starting to feel that way with with games like final fantasy 16 is kind of heavy there's like slavery and family death Mm -hmm. and um yeah it's it's heavier at least it's trying to be Mm -hmm. so now i'm like maybe i should play minish cap after this maybe i should play pikmin i was gonna say pikmin Um, i was legit gonna say pikmin (laughs) pikmin is like the most i need something light i I don't want to say pikmin is head empty because it's like a game that actually requires you to really think about what you're doing but like there is not a story happening beyond like the most bare bones framework to get you somewhere like you're you're not having to worry too much about story and there's no there's no familial death i mean pikmin die yeah. but like that's fine yeah. they're, they're ghosts or they're little guys that come back <laughs> um but yeah it's just like it's just a lot yeah. and so i i'm trying to i'm trying to find a break uh at the moment but besides that that is pretty much all we have going for this week it was fun recapping our our zelda takes yeah that was good that was a longer one but i know we just had to wax poetic about zelda for an hour it just had to happen it was gonna happen sooner or later it had to happen i was waiting for you to beat it so (laughs) tori where can people find you on the internet and sub question are you on threads um, you can find me on Twitter at Tori underscore as underscore always. And no, I'm not on threads because traffic on threads has dropped 50% in the last two days. That's so funny. That's so funny. <laughs> Press start will not be on threads. Um, I'm on Twitter at Noah underscore Hertz spelled H-U-R-T-S. The show is on Twitter, press underscore start pod. And we're on Tumblr at press hyphen start pod. Thank you to the artist Geist for our opener and closer music. You can find more of their stuff at noahgeist.bandcamp.com. Our show arts by Kai at Wisp Graphics, and the show can be contacted via email, heypressstart at gmail.com. And I think that's everything. Thank you for listening, and go play a Zelda game, I guess. Go play a Zelda game. Yeah, get out of here. Go play a Zelda game. Ha <laughs> ha